but it's just a little vacation for people for 90 minutes. And they get to go there, they get to take a load off from their day job and escape for a little bit. And then the real world will always be waiting when they get back. Welcome to Mitten Money, delivering insights from Michigan-based business leaders, big and small. William Zank, host of Mitten Money at TriStar Trust, loves nothing more than creating this masterclass so that you can get insight to guide your leadership journey in just under 30 minutes. Subscribe today and connect with William at mittenmoney.com. What's going on, everyone? Thank you again for tuning in to another great episode of Mid Money. Today, we have on a highly, highly requested episode. I think it's safe to say for everyone out there that humor is something that we all can appreciate. Trying to use it, though, in the workplace can be a little tricky. Not sure what jokes to use or what to share. So this is one of the many reasons why I'm super excited to have Mike Ball on today's conversation. Mike has over 10 years of experience being a comedian within the space not only touring nationally, but then also speaking professionally with many Fortune 500 companies. This was a super fun episode to record. So welcome, Mike, to Mint Money. So Mike, thank you for being on today. I can imagine that someone doesn't go from sharing jokes to friends to being a nationally known comedy act. And so what's the story behind your journey to be a comedian? I've been doing comedy for 11 years. And I think it's a story of when something that you imagine becomes reality in front of your eyes. I'm from Saginaw and I never seen live comedy ever until I was probably 21 or 22. I was running a lawn service and I was promoting crazy country nights at the Shook from downtown Saginaw. And I saw that Ralphie May was coming to the Temple Theater and I looked on the Facebook event and there was nobody invited to it. So I reached out to the promoter and I said, hey, I'll add four or 5,000 people to your event if you give me four free tickets to the show. And the guy writes right back, sure, absolutely, let's do that. So I add the people to the event. Next thing I know, I'm putting up flyers for the show. I'm handing out posters. I'm talking to everybody. I'm promoting the heck out of it. I get four free tickets. Oh my gosh, comedy is real. That is real life. I see it. And I was thinking, man, that'd be really cool to do that. And so Ralphie May came back a few times. I promoted another show for him at the temple. And unfortunately, my dad passed away unexpectedly. Oh, crap. Life's not guaranteed. My life crumbled around me. My whole reality. Death became a real thing to me where life's not guaranteed. I better go do what I want to do. And I mowed some grass. And then during the winter... One of my buddies, Matt, he had a place out in North Hollywood. And he said, come out to North Hollywood and check it out. Him and another roommate got me a job interning for Pauly Shore. So now I'm working at the Comedy Store, which is the mecca of comedy. It's where all the greats have been, like Jim Carrey. Joe Rogan's famous from being from there. Jeff Ross, especially all the old prior Carlin. So I'm sitting there. I'm working for Pauly. I'm formatting his jokes. Before my first day, he gives me 100 pages of jokes that looks like he typed them in all caps and didn't use spell check. I had to make sense out of them. They didn't make no sense. Okay, so I did that. And Paulie came up to me. Oh, so you're a comedian, huh? I want to see your act. Didn't want to tell him. I don't even have an act. I (laughs) I don't have anything. No jokes. So I did that. And the winter was coming to an end and I had to go back. I had to take care of my lawn care customers. So I went back and I started a show, the Future of Comedy show at 
Hills Bar in Saginaw, and I brought a bunch of comics from the open mics that were funny. These guys are the future of comedy. And next thing I knew, I was doing a show there. And then another bar wanted me to do a show there. And if you can make somebody some money, let's do it. Then I'd go back out to LA in the winter. And then the next time, didn't have a place to stay. I lived in the back of an Aztec on Venice Beach. I'd wake up every day. I'd go to the beach, play my guitar, make some lunch money, then go work at the comedy club. I was working at Ha Ha North Hollywood. Then the third year I go out there, I'm working at the Ha Ha again in North Hollywood. I see this ad on this website called the Comedy Bureau. It says, making money doing screenplays for $5. And it was hosted by Judd Apatow. I'm not sure if you know who Judd Apatow is, but he was one of my heroes. He did so many of my favorite comedies that I grew up on, that I love, that I watched with my friends. I got to go to this. And I'm jumping in my car. I'm heading down to the UCB theater. I get out, parking's $5. I can't believe Judd Apatow is going to give his information away for $5. This is crazy. Parking's $5. And I'm talking to everybody in line. I can't believe it. $5, $5. And I said, hey, can I get a ticket to the show? And she goes, well, we're all sold out, but we could put you on the wait list, but you're going to be 30th on the wait list. Oh, man, I might not get in. I keep good spirits. The line starts going in. Everybody starts going in. And they say the first guy... John plus three, John plus three. And John goes, I only got two. I go, can I be his extra one? And he goes, yeah, can he be my plus one? They go, sure, yeah, whatever. So I get in against all odds. I'm second row, stage left. And it's a packed small theater. And Shut Apatow comes out. Everybody goes wild. And he goes, who's here for entertainment? And who's here to learn? And I was, I want to learn, baby. That was the loudest one by far. I was pumped. $5. <laughs> so he comes out, he looks at me and he goes, oh, what do you want to learn about? And I go, man, I said, I love all your movies, freaks and geeks, super bad. And I'm just going through all of his work. And he's like, I like you already. I go, I love all your stuff. So anything that you want to teach me, I want to learn. And then he goes, well, we got a special guest here today. And he goes, let's bring out Jeff Garland. And Jeff Garland's a Chicago legend, and he's been in a bunch of stuff. And he comes out, the crowd goes wild, and they're going back and forth about Jeff Garland not ever getting any good parts in his movies, and they're just improv and everybody's laughing. And Judd comes back to me, he goes, hey, so did you think about what you wanted to learn about? And I said, well, I'm a stand-up comic. I mow grass all summer, and then I come out here during the winter and try to learn as much about comedy as I can. So anything, I'm here to listen to you and learn anything you want. And he goes, well, anything in particular, you think? And I go, I guess, how do I get into movies with you and Seth Rogen? And the whole place laughs. They blow up because that's pretty much what everybody was thinking. How do we get there? I mean, how do we get into movies with you guys? And Judd Apatow kind of rubs his chin like he was about to think. Slight pause. And just then Jeff Garland cut him off. I'll tell you what you do. You quit that stupid lawn service and you just move out here and do it. Yes, Mr. Garland. Blew my mind because it was really that simple. And it was, oh, well, that is what it takes. You can't just wish to do it. And my goal wasn't really to be in movies. My goal is to be a headlining comic. Oh, man, that's incredible. So I took that information and I seen them out and I said, thank you, guys. I appreciate the information. And I went back to Saginaw and... I had one more season with the lawn care. And at the end of the season, 
that's it. This is my last one. I'm going full-time comedy. From there, I sold it to a friend and it was no looking back. It was just comedy from there on out. No more mowing lawns, just my own lawn every once in a while. And I, I guess that's probably my origin story right there. No, it makes a lot of sense, especially for tribulations of being there and realizing that dream. And even so much for, I don't think a lot of people would even think about camping out of their own car. Now, granted, Venice Beach, definitely a great backyard or front yard to go look at, but keeping the eye on the prize for that entire time. And so something that I think would be interesting to go hear your perspective about is how much comedy has changed because I can certainly remember what comedy used to be. I shouldn't say it used to be like it's such a long time ago, but I can imagine that there's all these different shifts and changes and people may like certain types of things. And so in your opinion, how do you think comedy has changed at least over the last 10 years? Or maybe it's the same. I would love to go hear an insider's perspective on it. I think that in many ways, it's the same. And in many ways, it's different. I feel that comedy is always evolving and never stops. You're always trying to figure out a new way to deliver a joke. But the basics of it is usually the same. There's the same things that everybody's going to talk about. There's certain different humors, slapstick, your right turns where they just lead you one way and then they turn it the other way. And a lot of people that talk about things that people know about, talking about friends, family. I feel comedy is the last real form of free speech. People can get out there, they can say whatever they want. And if people really don't like it, they can just go, hey, that was a joke. Take it easy. It's almost like a fail safe. It's true. Comedy is the last free speech. It can't be censored by anybody. Going to see somebody live and they get to go out there and talk about what they want to talk about. And once you see it on stage, that's uncensored, live, organic, raw thoughts from one human being to a group. I think it's almost, I don't want to romanticize comedy too much because we are just glorified beer and burger salesmen. But it is nice that no matter what, there's always going to be somebody who can get a group of people together, say what they really think in a room, but it's just a little vacation for people for 90 minutes. And they get to go there, they get to take a load off from their day job and escape for a little bit. And then the real world will always be waiting when they get back. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. And so what do you think about and how do you think about producing new content for different skits? Or maybe if you're traveling to a new area, do you think about telling some different jokes or doing something a little bit different? I think that if you're an act and you want to be who you are, because that's who they're paying to see, they're coming to see your unique view. And if they wanted somebody that was exactly what they thought they wanted, they just talk to themselves. You got to just be who you are. This is another good story. Oh my gosh. And this will bring this right up. So I was in New York City. I was walking down McDougal Street with my buddy Mitch. And we just passed by David Tell. And I seen him and I said, oh my God, that's David Tell right there. We should go talk to him. Oh, we shouldn't bother him. No, I should have went and talked to him. I missed my opportunity. And then my buddy Mitch goes, look. And right to the right of me with his window down was Tracy Morgan. Mr. Morgan. I go, hey. I'm a stand-up comic, and I really enjoy your stuff. I look up to you. And he goes, no, you're not. And I go, yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. I just did the grizzly pair down the street. And he goes, okay, I'll tell you what. When you be you, you got to be yourself. When you do that, your third eye will open. And I was like, thank you, Mr. Morgan. And basically what he was saying is that you can't be anybody else. You got to be exactly who you are. Because there's only one of you. And when you're truly just being yourself, that's the best originality. Nobody can be that. 
And when you do that, it'll open the doors for the next level, which was sweet for me to hear because I'm doing an hour of crowd work and guitar comedy and people try to put you in a box. They say, hey, you can't do that. You got to do this. You got to do that. In reality, it's your time on stage. You can do whatever you want. You just got to be yourself. And when you do that, your third eye will open. I thought it was pretty beautiful. He said it just in the right time in my life, too. That's beautiful, man. I love that. Well, especially for that type of connection to go run into him amidst the streets, too. That's pretty cool. I think for a lot of people, I can definitely see why people want to be funnier in the workplace. Just in certain work settings, it can definitely help make a tense situation go over well. And so in your opinion, how can people approach sharing the right jokes in the workplace? Because if you don't share the right jokes, I can imagine you might get a swift talking to and walk right down the hall to human resources. And so how would you think about that? Well, I would say if you think a joke's funny and you're worried that HR is not going to think it's funny, do it at an open mic. Do it at a place that is not where you get your money from. Keep your money first. Have fun at your job. Stick to the rules. The comedy club and the workplace are two different places. Not for me. For regular people, I would say don't risk it. Don't risk it or just tell jokes to friends that aren't going to rat you out. Just talk to people that you know that you're safe to talk to. But I don't know. That's tough. It just depends on what your humor is. Every person's different. And you can have one person that thinks one joke is the best joke they've ever heard. Comedy's so subjective. I think that just be yourself and have fun with it. In the corporate area, you got to really watch out for that. That's an unfortunate thing. But it's a place to make money. It's not the comedy club. But if you want to do jokes, come to an open mic. Come to a show, get them out, and then talk about your coworkers at the open mic. What I was just going to mention there is I think that might actually be inadvertently the perfect advice to people is that if there's really a joke that you're thinking might stretch the line, maybe not be the best place in the workplace, but to go to somewhere like that to really go tell them. So I think that might be uh, inadvertently a good way or a good piece of advice for people. If we're trying to put this towards people who are in business and how can we leverage comedy to make your business life better, give you a leg up in the business community, is that you could go do an open mic and go work on your public speaking. Go get over being in front of people and learning how to control a room. Those are things that if you're good at those and you can bring those into your business, then it could really give you a leg up. There's a comedy class at Mark Ridley's in Royal Oak. My buddy Bill Bouchard runs it. And you can go do the class, learn how to write some jokes, learn how to get on stage, learn how to do some stage presence. One of the best advice I got about how to tell a joke, and this is from Ralphie May, because I ended up opening up for Ralphie May later on down the road at the Temple Theater after I've been doing comedy for three or four years. And I was talking to him one time at a show and he goes, did anybody ever tell you how to tell a joke? No, I don't know what you're talking about. And he goes, this is how you tell a joke. Say you're in a situation and there's three people in front of you and you do set up the setup to your joke to the left, set up to the right, punchline to the middle, keeping your eyes all the way left to right to draw them into the joke and keep everybody accountable. And especially if you're on stage, people are so quick to get on their phones. People are addicted to their phones and every distraction is taking away from your performance. So if you're trying to do a joke, you want to keep them accountable and you can do that with your eyes to the left to the right, punchline middle. That's just a little tip if anybody's listening. And I used that religiously in the beginning. I was almost super crazy about it. Left, right. But now I can do it more subtly where people don't notice as much. Well, it's very interesting. No, I appreciate you diving into that a little further, especially with a little tip looking back to left a little bit. 
Something interesting that I saw on your website was the work that you also do with corporate clients. And so what work in the past have you done with these clients? I can imagine that this is definitely a fun thing to book for people. I did Dow Chemical, Fortune 500 company. And that is where you got to be the tightest. That is the HR. You're jumping through hoops because you don't want to offend anybody in that company. You just want to go there and have a good time. So that place, I was all right, let's just stay away from any kind of jokes that would get HR mad at you. And what I did was I just messed with people about, it was laughs at lunch. We did a show during lunch, me and my buddy, Andy Meningo. And I tried to get people to share their lunch with me and they wouldn't do it. And I'm like, you would invite me to come down here. You won't even share your lunch. And I'm just going back and forth. And I do a little bit of improv guitar and then I make a song about it. That's a fun way to you're at work, you need a little laugh and you can have a professional come do it. But it's hard too, because you're getting a filtered version of somebody. You're getting a corporate version of what that person is. And I don't think that's the best way to see comedy. But if you're at work and you're like, hey, better than a work meeting, that's cool. I'm glad. I was very proud to do Dow. I've done some other corporate stuff where they were different corporations, trucking companies where they didn't give a crap. Say whatever you want. Make fun of everybody. And it's just different corporate culture. Let's have fun. But if you're doing the gig, you should know what they're expecting or what they want from you. And don't ever, ever, ever say you can do something that you can't do. Don't ever lie. I'm actually talking to comics now. And this is some good business advice that I've always used. This is the best business advice I've ever gotten. Is always under promise and over deliver. Never do the opposite sandbag them a little bit and then show up and give them the best you can give them. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. So now moving along to our lightning round of questions, Mike. And so what would you say is your most important daily habit? I do three things mostly every day. I journal, I do 10 things for my business, and I go to the gym. And those are my three daily habits that I do. I don't think one's more important than the other, but I think together they're all very important. And I think that life is all about consistency. You can't do everything in one day. You just got to be consistent. That makes a lot of sense. What would you say is your favorite TV or streaming show you're currently watching or have recently? I don't watch a ton of television. I go to the movies probably once a week on Tuesdays in Birch Run. They have $5 movie night at the Birch Run Theater and free popcorn if you're a member. So I usually go to that on Tuesdays. And then what I normally watch every day is I watch a Tesla podcast. It's about investing into Tesla. I love Tesla. So that's pretty much what I'm into. And then if you could be remembered for just one thing, what would it be? Remembered for one thing? That's a good question. I think if I could be remembered for one thing, it'd be if you came and seen me and I made you laugh your butt off and you felt like a million bucks, just remember that feeling of how it was in that room, us together, just making a moment with your friends and family. That's what I'd say. I could definitely see that. And so for Mike... For those people who want to learn more about yourself, your comedy business or anything else, what are good resources for people to find you? Oh, yeah. Check out my website, www.mikeballdotcom.com. So that's mikeball.com.com. And you can get all my dates on there, clips, sign up for my email list, all sorts of stuff. Awesome. And thank you again for everyone for listening to another episode of Mid Money. Please don't forget to follow our podcast so you don't miss when new episodes drop. Thanks, Mike. Hey, thank you. You've been listening to Mitten Money, sponsored by TriStar Trust. 
Subscribe to the podcast and learn more about how William and the TriStar Trust team can guide your small business at TriStarTrust.com. Come